From CSR Box, I am Deepak Nanda, and this is Impact Talk podcast. In this episode with Shruti Ayer, CEO, Foundation for Mother and Child Health, we talk about nutrition education, using community-led effort to ensure proper food intake for a child, and how nutrition is linked to multiple domains rather than being a singular focus point. Thank you so much for joining us, Shruti. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me on this call, Deepak. So, uh, like you mentioned in the content online, that you're a strong believer in the power of education. So how and when did you choose it to be your area of focus and why? And also, you had your education from one of the most successful educational interventions, which is Kendriya Vidyalas. So was that also a part of the reason for you venturing into the space of education? Uh, that's a very, very interesting question, Deepak. Uh, so I am a, I'm a very strong believer in the power of education, like you rightly said. Uh, I joined the education sector in, a, in 2012 with the Teach for India Fellowship. Uh, I think what drew me to education was, uh, uh, you know, I've read a lot of reports. I'll, I'll, and I remember this so well. I was working with Infosys. I used to sit in this uh, cubicle. Uh, lovely space, everything was just perfect around me, right? Um, and I would sit in this cubicle and I would read these education reports on, uh, you know, Akarotama to this report and uh, talk about how uh, things are so dismal in these systems. I went on the Jagrati Yatra uh, in 2011, late 2011, and uh, that's when iniquity really struck me. I've had a fairly privileged middle class upbringing, grew up in metro cities across the country. Uh, so never really experienced poverty firsthand till I went on this uh, yatra and, and I knew something shifted in me and I couldn't really say what. In retrospect, now I can say, you know, I was, I was looking for purpose. Uh, and then and I came across the Teach for India Fellowship. It seemed like a great opportunity. Uh, it, was, it was perfect for somebody to get into the social sector, uh, to look at uh, education and that's where it sort of just happened, right? Uh, so I don't think I made a conscious choice of education, but I'm just so grateful that it panned out the way it is. Interesting. And so after having worked with all these uh, organizations, like you mentioned, so now yeah. uh, currently you're a part of the Foundation for Mother and Child Health India. Yeah. So how would you define the switch from, say, education to nutrition, or do you really see it as something that is not a transition, but just a growth in your phase? Yeah, uh, so after I did the Teach for India Fellowship, I I came back to, uh, I did the fellowship in Pune, I came back to Bangalore, uh, and that's where I'm from. Uh, I've worked with Hippocampus for a few years. Uh, Hippocampus Learning Centre, we, we, work, we work with early childhood education centres across uh, rural Karnataka. So I spent a lot of my uh, late 20s in villages across Karnataka, and it was such a different feeling, right? So going from a low-income school in uh, Pune to uh, rural schools uh, in Karnataka, I think the difference was so stark. There was so much more space in rural schools, but the problem remained the same. And this is something that uh, the founder of Hippocampus Campus always says, rural is not poor. Uh, and that was a lovely learning for me, uh, to be able to look at uh, look at the ecosystem very differently. Of course, that I did the Acumen Fellowship. I was chosen as an Acumen Fellow, and there, there is when I met a lot of people from other sectors, right? 
so suddenly my world view was just opened up so i went from education to looking at menstrual health people with physical disabilities looking at uh, uh women empowerment uh looking at this people doing such exciting different work i took some time off and worked with different uh, uh different people looking at these sectors um and when it was time for me to you know i was ready to go back to another space i decided to look uh, to work with women uh that's something that really calls out for me uh i also had a very personal journey with nutrition Uh, I've always I've never looked at the role of nutrition in uh life very seriously uh, to a point where you know I uh, it's very easy to overwork in the sector not exercise not eat healthy yes. the easiest thing that you can do is uh, you know fall prey to bad health uh, and all of this is avoidable and so I went through a personal journey with nutrition and that's when it sort of just came right at the right time you know uh, to work in nutrition the fact that i wanted to work with women uh all of it came together and that's when fmch happened and now i am just so uh, i'm very grateful that i got this opportunity as well because we were learning so much about uh how nutrition is it's something as basic as nutrition is not taken seriously is not something that we look at in education as well right Uh, yeah. I don't look at it as two subjects. Don't look at it as nutrition, education, healthcare, etc. We are at the end of it working with communities. We are working with individuals, right? And all of these interventions need to come together. We need to stop working in silos. A child who is undernourished uh, in the first thousand days is not going to be able to study. So it is not that I am going away from education or anything. I think it's about what role you choose to play. in uh the current uh process definitely and so this is about so say something like an interdisciplinary approach to solving yeah. the problems of the society so what are yeah. more of these interventions that fmcs is currently working on in the space of nutrition so say like you mentioned education is something that they're working on in terms yeah. of nutrition education and yeah. then again a lot of other interventions that you might be working in the space so can you just like explain a few of those interventions and how are you going about it for sure uh so again like and like you said it's while you call it interdisciplinary we can call it system thinking we can call it holistic collaboration we can call it multiple names uh but at the at the heart of it it says that the problems that we are looking at are not simple uh how in fmch uh what we look at malnutrition is Uh, we say that it's not just a, a clinical issue it's not just a medical issue right uh, almost imagine it like an iceberg malnutrition is the top part of the iceberg that you can see people falling sick kids not getting the right food etc but below that right under the ocean there is so much of the iceberg that you can that you can't see the, all of these uh, you know there's a term for it it's called them social determinants of health Right, uh, all of these uh, range from hygiene, poverty, employment, skills, misinformation about nutrition, aspirations. All of these form the middle part of the iceberg, right? And at the base of the iceberg, you have social and political structures, including beliefs around gender, cultural norms, uh, social political situations, etc. So we cannot cure malnutrition unless we address some of these issues. so we have to make sure that we are looking at gender uh, deeply when we want to look at malnutrition i was in a panel recently and uh, there was a doctor she 
she's worked with uh, UNICEF for years. And I asked her, so what's the one thing that you think will change the face of, uh, of malnutrition? She said, no, you don't need all these fancy interventions. All you need to do is make sure that girls eat first in the house. Okay. Right? So someone with that much experience is yeah. also saying that we need to look at it much more holistically. And that's exactly what we at FMPH do. Uh, we we moved from saying that the mother is entirely responsible for the child's health to saying that, listen, the community needs to come together to make sure that children are safe. Right? It's a social behavior change that we need to look at to solve the problem of malnutrition. Uh, the entire ecosystem needs to come together. How do we look at working with fathers? How do we look at working with uh, ANNs and ASHAs and Anganwadi workers? Uh, look at the service providers, look at community leaders. All of them play a role in making sure that malnutrition is uh, taken away from the community, right? Uh, yeah. What does it look like on the ground? Like, while all of this sounds okay, but what does it look like on the ground? It's, uh, number one, like I said, we have to invest in all the stakeholders. It's not just going and giving a lot of information to the mother and hoping that next year things will change. Uh, we have to make sure that all the stakeholders know what is their role in this. How do we also make sure that we give the right information at the right time? One of the things we're realizing uh, as a result of this pandemic is uh, poverty is not one color, right? Uh, a lot exactly. of people who had some amount of savings were able to make sure that they had the right nutrition. Uh, and, that was, and they had the savings because they had financial literacy. Right? So again, uh, all of it comes back to saying that we need to work together. So now we're thinking about how do we include some amount of financial planning in our modules so that uh, parents can plan for their children's nutrition even. If, you know, they were to have some kind of a lockdown or not have salary for three months, what would that look like? But at the end of it, this will affect nutrition. Uh, so we're looking at this from a very interdisciplinary, from a very system thinking perspective. Uh, all our interventions are very community-based. Uh, we say that we go into a community at a certain time and we exit at a certain time. So before we go in, we know when is our exit plan. Uh, and what would exit and sustainability look like for us? It would mean that the community takes complete ownership of the programs that we have run. So while we go in, we do an entire community building exercise to make sure we talk to different stakeholders. And how do people from the community continue this work even after we are gone? Uh, that's what we do to make sure that the uh, interventions are more sustainable. Right. So now talking again about FMCH. So the organization was established in 2006 to bring nutrition to the forefront for vulnerable communities in Mumbai. And it now has grown into a more structured one with an advisory board, trustees and more governing bodies accompanying them. So how do you see this structure kind of fitting into the idea of sustainability and a whole idea around, you know, making it more self-sufficient? It's a natural progression for any organization to move from, uh, you know, being that small structure of one person driven to an entire team and then you have, an, you have a board, etc. I think there is no right or wrong way to do this because uh, each way has, I mean, when, when, there's a, when there's, you have a startup, it's more entrepreneurial, change is easy, etc. I mean, we, we speak about this in our team all the time, you know. Uh, it's like moving a mouse versus moving an elephant. The larger you grow, obviously the harder it is to uh, move. Uh, okay. I think the challenge for us and what we keep thinking about is how do we make sure 
even as we grow bigger how do we continue to be agile in our working uh, things change every 6 months what we were in 2005 those interventions no longer uh, will hold true because information is so much more accessible uh, geo has transformed the world whatsapp has transformed the world everyone has access to mobile phones so how do we make sure that we stay on track i think uh, those are a few things that we constantly keep uh, asking ourselves while we are in this structure right so the structure while it gives stability uh, and make sure that we have the kind of sustainability we are not person dependent i think it's also important to note that uh, we need to constantly innovate constantly uh, sort of be more relevant to what the community needs us for Yeah, exactly. So uh, now you just mentioned like two aspects of uh, a thing that one social media kind of amplifying the voice of causes, and then second being around people being more approachable than before in the communities itself, and the conversations happening over these social media and other avenues. So how is FMCH using the power of social media or media in general? to voice out about nutrition and educate more and more people into it and engage them into it right uh, so i think one of the things that uh, we've been uh, we've been doing over the last year and i don't think uh, again we will know the results only later but uh, uh, we have been posting much more on facebook so our objective to uh, if we have to like you said if it all ties back to our mission right our objective is we want to see a world where uh malnutrition is not a problem that communities come together and make those choices that are needed to remove malnutrition and eradicate it from society and if that's what we want to see then we need to make sure that uh, all of us play a big role in that all of us play a role in the food choices that we make uh, how do we make sure that more and more people know about nutrition more and more people know what are those right choices to be made uh and there's a difference between knowing and actually doing things right exactly. social media helps us in that process of getting our voice out uh, so we do regular updates on facebook over the last year we have been more consistent we have seen that we have gotten a much more uh, consistent uh, sort of uh, followers right so they write to us and ask us about our work etc uh i think we are yet to take it to the next level where we build that community on social media while we are good at building offline communities i think our challenge is also to understand how do we build those online communities uh how do we make sure that we get these group of people who are also championing our work uh that's something that we are we still exploring uh and i'm hoping that this year would be one of those places where we will be able to do that given the pandemic more people are spending more time online uh most of the people most of our beneficiaries uh, are in uh, are really not on social media right uh, given that if we primarily consider we work with mothers uh, a lot of mothers will not have access to a facebook yeah right a fathers might uh, it's still lower right i'm not saying that all of them will not but probably yeah, 60% of them uh, will not have access to facebook or have a facebook account so in that uh sense we are we we sort of more uh, we focus a lot more on on ground engagement uh, but we are looking at thinking about how do we build that community even uh online and now uh, coming to the end of the conversation so lastly 
are there any suggestions for the organizations working in the space of say nutrition or working with the rural communities to how to engage these communities into a healthy conversation and make the dialogue about these necessary issues happen so what would be yeah. your those suggestions from your end considering you mentioned that you've already been on ground and you've been working with the communities first time right so i i here's what i'm going to tell you right uh, i think some of these uh, organizations that have been around for so many years they have so much more insight than me uh, i don't think i can ever give them any suggestions honestly i think we have a lot to learn from everybody i think each context is so different uh and me saying something offhand would just undermine so much of efforts that others have put in so in that sense i don't think i i'll have any suggestion to uh, give but one thing that i definitely want to uh, sort of put out there is uh, i think we can't solve this problem alone we need to look at collaborating we need to look at partnerships uh, we obviously technology plays a huge role but uh, we need all of us need to come together and think about uh, and this is again this goes in for csrs and uh, uh, philanthropists and everybody else who wants to invest right how do we look at this from a much more holistic picture like take a step back and think about where do we want to see this community 5 years from now and how is everything that we are doing today getting us to those numbers exactly right like you link it to a uh, a millennium development goal whatever right a sustainable development goal whatever that that goal looks like to you but i think the important thing is to really take a step back and come together and make sure that all our interventions are complementing each other there is there is no point if all of us continue to do the same work times have changed things have changed we need each player to be uh, doing their role uh, what we need to do is figure out how all of us can come together and finish this puzzle right uh, and this is exactly what so i i love to solve jigsaw puzzle and this is something that i keep thinking about right sure. all those pieces are there and this is exactly how we are looking at development space right now all the pieces are there and all we need to do is spend that time and figure out what is that role that you are playing in that larger piece of the puzzle mm, that's really well put and so that brings us to the close of the conversation thank you so much for joining us shruti it's been a pleasure having thank you and knowing more about how development space can be a jigsaw and how interdisciplinary concepts can be used together to bring out collaboration in the best impact possible thank you so much deepak it is really nice talking to you